Welcome to Your American Heritage with your host, Ed Bondarenka. Our goal is to provide a platform for a discussion of pro-life, pro-Christian, and pro-American constitutional principles in the light of current and historical events. America, bless God. Now let's join the host of Your American Heritage on Wham Talk 1692.7 FM, Ed Bondarenka. Thank you, Derek Stone, the Swiss Army Knife of Radio Production, and the Wham! Fact-Finding Team. So He's the host of Stone Cold Sports. That's Sundays at noon 30, right after my friend Sean Todd, the Rock and Rev on the intersection at noon. You know, it's a... Uh... Not your normal fluffy Christian show. Yeah. And so, good afternoon. Welcome to Your American Heritage, where we talk about the two things you're not supposed to. Religion and politics. I'd like to remind you that the Wham! shows are available via podcasts. Share them with your friends. If you don't have any friends, go to church and make some. Be brave. And if no one approaches you to talk to you at church, or they only approach you to tell you to put a mask on, you're in the wrong church. Email me at youramericanheritageradio at gmail.com. I'll point you towards a good church near you. Or friend me on Facebook. Don't be shy. But if you do, message me as to how you found me. Then I'll know it's safe to accept you as a friend. Unlike all those women who keep sending me pictures and, you know, uh, never mind. So welcome to Talk Radio, Underground Radio. The color culture has turned a full 180 degrees. You know, when I was a kid, listened to WABX. Now it's turned around. I'm on wham. It's the culture has turned around and we need to turn it around back again. We need a great awakening. So let's pray. Father, you said in your word to pray for those that have the rule over us. I pray now for the American people and who the true political power of the nation rightly resides. Please give us insight and wisdom and guidance in the days ahead. Please lead us in our discussion today. So it's a beautiful day with the promise of spring in the air, warmer weather, later sunsets due to daylight savings time. Remember to change your clocks back tonight. And remember, daylight savings time also contributes to global warming. And of course, a real sign of warmer weather is here, the return of Antifa and BLM rioting in Portland. Ah, the smell of pepper gas is in the air. And we're well into 52 weeks to flatten the curve. The economic curve has certainly been flattened. And so there you go. Uh, People still wearing a mask. And I wonder why. And the COVID deaths are down. And if we do our part, if we do this together, By July the 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends will be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout and a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. That doesn't mean large events with lots of people together, but it does mean small groups will be able to get together. Yeah, let's celebrate Independence Day by, uh, let's see, being subservient to the Great White Father in Washington, D.C. I like that. I just want to, before we get on with our guest today, I want to give you a take on Reverend Niemeyer's famous, first they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. Well, I got to thinking about that. and You know, first they came for the cat in the hat, but I didn't have a cat or a hat. Then they came for green eggs and ham, but I didn't particularly care for green eggs or ham. Next, they came for my Bible, but they had forgotten to take my guns. Yep, 
They're not getting my Bible. Joining me today is Patrick Kolbeck of letsfixstuff.org. Just off on the, just on the off chance you don't know who Pat Kolbeck is. Pat was a state senator, ran for governor in 2018, should have been the governor in my in my uh, opinion. He was vice chair of the Senate Elections and Government Reform Committee. So he knows something about elections and reform and how politics work. He has a bachelor's and master's in aerospace engineering, and he's a life science graduate of the International Space University in Strasbourg, France. He is a rocket scientist, really does have all that stuff, unlike me, who I just pose as having the astrophysicist degree from Boston University. So he's the author of Wrestling Gators. Get yourself a copy. It exposes how government really works. Hi, Pat. How are you doing? Oh, good to be with you, Ed. You notice I'm, notice I'm wearing my hat here in honor of uh, the cat in the hat. And also the fact that I haven't had a chance to shower yet this morning. I've been on the phone nonstop, so it's been, uh, been a crazy day already. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk to us today and and uh, give us some insight on how you're doing, what you're doing, what you're up to. I know you've got an article at uh, letsfixstuff.org. And... In the article, you talk about uh, some of the stuff that was going on. Like, uh, was there fraud in the 2020 election? Was there? Absolutely. And that's what we're going. I mean, part of what I'm working on right now is going all around the state and letting people know about the evidence. Uh, at letsfixup.org, I've been updating a post that captures right now over 243 um, separate pieces of evidence regarding to fraud in this past election. So anybody who says there is no fraud, it just that is uh, either um, com, uh, deliberately ignorant or complicit with what happened in that election. And um, so we're going out and making sure everybody knows about everything that's out there. I'm, I'm in the process of mapping all that fraud to specific statutes that were violated, both state and federal statutes, and also mapping them to chain of custody violations. And if you live in Michigan, you'd be saddened to know that violating the chain of custody is not against the law in Michigan when it comes to elections. If you're in a criminal case and you violated the chain of custody around evidence, um, the court case would be thrown out. But in our elections, unfortunately, they don't see that it's any big deal if you uh, violate the chain of custody in election. Um, and uh, so I'm working to make sure everybody understands what's going on. Uh, Regarding our election, I haven't given up on this. Uh, when uh, you know a lot of people are trying to get us to just shut up around election fraud, that's the equivalent for me of you know um, of saying you know so what if somebody was murdered? You know it's after the fact. So what are you going to do about it after uh, they committed the crime? Um, we need to stay on top of this. I'm not letting these guys get away with it. And all you have to do is look at what's happening in Washington D.C. right now, or frankly, what's not happening in Michigan as an indicator of why elections matter. We, it's very important that we go off and follow up on this. I, my, my ultimate goal is I'm looking for three different possible outcomes on this, and with the top priority being decertification of the election results. I know everybody sits there and goes, oh, that's pie in the sky, it's never gonna happen. Well, I'll tell you one thing, judge recently last week issued orders for revotes in Mississippi and New Jersey for some elections, much smaller scale, but we have at least that much evidence when it comes to what happened in this wider uh, 2020 general election for other races like that of president of the United States. I would submit it also impacts 
the Senate races and congressional races and state rep races that happened this last time around. This is important stuff, and it, it should be the top priority of every single one of our legislators and elected officials, yet it's not. Um, but uh, decertification is my number one priority. The second priority is um, we should be pursuing uh, the uh, um, prosecution uh, for a violation of these statutes. And, uh, you know, if you don't, you're just encouraging more fraud. Back in 2016, just to show them consistent on my appreciation for election integrity, I'm going to call for an investigation in the wake of the 2016 election. And you may recall somebody named Donald J. Trump won that election. And I was still calling into question the election results because it just didn't add up in Detroit. Um, and I said, we need to investigate. Well, same thing needs to be done here. And when we see pro violations like we did in the 2016 election, you have to prosecute. We saw 31 counts of uh, voter fraud from uh, uh, the analysis that the Secretary of State uh, um, pursued in that 2016 election. And Attorney General Bill Schuette pursued zero prosecutions. And there are 34 jurisdictions in the state that didn't even provide data to be able to support investigation by the Secretary of State. And they weren't held accountable at all. So. Um, so the number two thing we need to do is start prosecuting people for violations of the law. The third thing, then we can start talking about election reform, whether that's through ballot initiatives or through our legislators actually doing something useful. Um, that Those are kind of the top three. So number one, decertify the election results. Number two, uh, prosecute people for violations of the law. And number three, you know, then we start looking at uh, election reform. You can't skip to number three if you don't acknowledge there's issues with numbers one and two. So I'm interested in the um, the decertification. Uh, I doubt you mean that that would go as far as the presidential election, yes. but thinking in yes, terms I of- Yes, I do. No, it should be the presidential election, should be decertified well, under I'm fraud. Oh, I, I believe I am with you 100 percent. I'm just trying to see the mechanism by which that works since it, we it can't have to go get, through the court. It would have to go through the Supreme Court right now. Um, and granted that they won't talk about any of the discrepancies that already happened regarding the elections. I'm, I'm not sure how we see a path through there. It's pretty disappointing. And I, I try to be upbeat on this program and show people yeah. forward. So please tell us what you think. Well, it's got to go through a lawsuit. And there are many pending lawsuits that can be put in place. The evidence that I've seen, some of it hasn't even been introduced into a lawsuit yet. So that has to be pursued. But I'm telling you, um, I'm a big believer that justice eventually will be done. And uh, and it may not be in the time frame that I'd like. Um, right now, there's a lot, of a lot of harm being done to our country with the people that are calling the shots in, in DC right now. And uh, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't pursue rectification. And uh, so I'm I'm pushing it, maybe a little bit uh, Quixotic expedition here, or Quixotic quest, but you know, I know what the truth is and I'm not letting go of this bone until it, it's ahead of stay in court. Good, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, I And I'm uh, not alone. Yeah. That's the next question. So are there other people that are still involved in this effort? I don't know, Lynn Wood or, uh, um, oh my goodness, now I can't remember uh, General Flynn's lawyer, uh, Sidney Powell. Um, are, are there other organizations, uh, the um, Amistad organization, are they still active in pursuing any of this to your, to your awareness? Yes. Yeah, I meet weekly with the Amistad group and uh, 
we're discussing strategies not just in Michigan, but across the country. We have representatives from all those uh, states come in and, and discuss what's happening in their respective states. A lot of the focus is on election reform, but it's also um, spawned quite a few uh, side conversations specific to what can we do right now to fix the, um, uh, what happened in the 2020 election. And uh, so I get it. Um, a lot of people are discouraged. Everything in the media is telling us move on. Uh, anybody who talks about election fraud in 2020 is a domestic terrorist and uh, all that kind of garbage. But I'll tell you, the left was very active in pursuing this line of reasoning that we've been talking about around election fraud as recently as March 2020. You may have seen the documentary called Kill Chain. And if you haven't seen it, it's an HBO documentary from a leftist perspective frankly, talking about how the election was stolen in 2016, according to them. And all the mechanisms that they talked about on how the election could be stolen were still in place in November 2020, and they were used by them, not by um, the Trump campaign. So uh, I, I recommend you, everybody go off and look at that documentary. Would you, repeat the, would you repeat the name of that documentary again, please? It's called Kill Chain. Kill Chain. And, uh, okay. I'm still and not getting it. Okay. Yeah, kill chain. Thank you. All right. So maybe the audience got it. Can you spell that, please? Uh, K-I-L-L-C-H-A-I-N. Thank you. Okay, great. Great. All right. Thank you. So, um, yeah, I don't get HBO, but uh, maybe I can uh, get my kid on Pirate Bay to get me a copy of it. So. No, you can just, you can find it online. I mean, just go to their website. They'll uh, If you go to the HBO documentary website, they'll allow you to watch it for free. And um, I'll tell you, it's very illuminating, and and it's not just that. I mean, the uh, the stuff that's happening across the country, the evidence we've been able to get, digging into, particularly in my area of interest, is around software, and uh, how could they have actually implemented the theft of the election? Well, I've had a working theory for quite some time, and right now that theory is being validated at every step of the way. I haven't had any element of it un uh, invalidated yet, so. It just takes time to build up that case. We're building that case right now, and I'm confident the truth will come out in the end. Okay, and um, I, I'm a firm believer of that myself. And unfortunately, sometimes it's the truth comes out after we're off the off the scene. But uh, this is this is important stuff. This is this is the theft of a nation. This is what. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, why it's, am I so passionate about this? I'll tell you why because. People came over and took over our system of government, um, and the results of which are no different than if somebody would have came over with a bunch of tanks and planes and bombs and took away our civil liberties, um, than what happened here without firing a shot. We just rolled over and let these guys take over our country, and gosh darn it, I'm not letting them get away with it. Well, thank God for guys like you, people like you that are, that are involved in that effort, actively involved in that effort. And that's, that's why I like to have you on and promote what you're doing so people can pray for you, support you, uh, visit your website, letsfixstuff.org. Um, you know, we need these clearinghouses for information like that. We need a little bit more than, well, obviously, uh, channels on YouTube are getting uh, deplatformed if they talk about election fraud and uh, you know, that's, we, we need to share the information that, that you've gotten and we need to encourage each other. And so I appreciate that folks. Uh, 
I'm going to open up the phone line, 734-822-1600. Once again, 734-822-1600. I encourage you to call if you have any questions or comments concerning this subject. Uh, the Theft of a Nation. I can see that that's, that's the title of your next book, right? Theft of a Nation. Well, actually, I, I don't want to give away the working title, but it's very similar to that. It's a little bit more flashy, but uh, I am going to work on it. I'm working on a book right now around this election because it's uh, – that true story needs to be told. Yeah. I remember a book I was given by a high school teacher years ago, None Dare Call It Treason. And there's another working title, None Dare Call It Theft. Yeah. I mean, we have, it's like, it's like some gang came in and, and hijacked our country. They, 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 they stole the election. They, we had uh, internal elements that were complicit in it. We had, uh, uh, well, we have everything that they want to codify in H.R. 1 now that they want to uh, push through the Senate and have Joe Biden uh, sign, which would effectively codify everything on a federal level that they got away with in certain states. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, well, I mean, here's the good news and bad news for people in Michigan regarding H.R. 1. The good news is. It, there's only a couple items in HR1 that are actually going to impact us because we already bit that poison apple back in 2018. And uh, that's how they stole our election in 2020 was with some of those provisions, whether it was no reason absentee voting, whether or not it was uh, um, the idea of, um, uh, I can't remember all the, the, the line items that we had back in proposal two, two and proposal three back in 2018. Most of the poison pill items were already embedded in there. The one unique thing that is in HR 1 that I think is most egregious that's going to impact us here in the state of Michigan is the 15-day uh, early voting provision. And why is that such a big deal? Wouldn't it be nice just to go in and vote early? Well, here's why that's such a big deal. Um, early voting just gives them more time to go off and figure out what their target is in regards to the number of votes that they need to steal. Uh, one of the... the um, tells, if you will, if you're thinking from a uh, uh, playing poker perspective, one of the tells from the Democrats was that they uh, they had to insert or inject uh, a series of vote spikes into the vote tallies uh, in the middle of the night. Um, you know, people in Michigan realize that they always go to bed with uh, Republicans leading by 10 to 20 percent and then wake up in the morning and we lost. <laughs> Right. Well, Lost the way they Trump did that was the with these injections of these spikes. Well, these spikes are very they stand out like a sore thumb. And if you can, uh, instead of putting out a big spike, actually have like 15 days to inject votes for your candidate, um, illegal votes I'm talking about, on a, uh, a much more uh, sublime pattern where instead of dumping in 150,000 votes, you dump in 1,500, then you dump in another 1,500, then you dump in another 1,500. You can smooth the curve, and it doesn't jump out at you. Um, that's why they want early voting, and pure and simple. They want to be able to figure out what their target is for the number of votes that they need to steal. And uh, that just gives them a bigger window to go off and do it. That's an HR1. That's what's concerning to me on it. And uh, you'll notice they don't even publish the election results officially for a while. Um, in Detroit and other places. Uh, the reason is because they're trying to figure out what that target is. Now they've just been given a 15-day grace window to go off and smooth it and uh, go without detection. Well, I want to talk about some of the things in HR1 and some of the ways 
things about the ways we vote right now. But I'd like to take a call uh, from Joe from Wyandotte, uh, give him uh, at least a minute to press his question before we run against the, uh, the hard break. So uh, if Derek would put Joe on, that would be good. And then Joe could talk to us. Joe, Hello, you there? My brothers. Uh, hey, Pat, I don't know if you noticed I reached out the other day. I'm hoping you'll help draft a resolution for the committees I'm on and other districts in Michigan uh, demanding decertification and demanding the cowards in Lansing uh, pass some election integrity laws. But I'd like you to address the issue. Some say, well, why bother to pass the election integrity laws? We know the governor will veto it. Well, that's the point. Delineate yeah. the line. We are for election integrity. Let her show clearly they want to protect voter fraud. So let me get your reaction to that. Take care. I love you oh. guys. I'll listen offline. Yeah, thanks, Joe. And first of all, I'm going to be out in uh, the Wyandotte area on March 23rd, I believe it is, to... Uh, um, speak on election fraud. Um, it's going to be sponsored by the 12th uh, Congressional District Republican Committee, so uh, you can find more information on that on their website. But uh, I, from a resolution perspective, I would recommend that all the counties follow the lead of Crawford County. They put forward a resolution I thought was pretty well done. It's actually forwarded to me by uh, Melanie Curtis. And um, if you go off and see the resolution that the folks in Crawford County put out, I'd recommend everybody do a version of that for their respective um, counties as well. And if we sent 83 of those resolutions up to Lansing, I think it would send a pretty clear message. Okay, that's good. I wish Joe was there to say thank you for answering this question, but I'm sure he's nodding his head violently. So uh, that's good. Um, Alex, a uh, uh, friend of mine from Plymouth, is on the phone. Um, let's have it. Let's see if Alex can come on. I told him to wait till after the break, but we've got time. Alex. Yeah. Oh, hi, Ed. Hi, Pat. Um, yeah, I think the problem with the uh, election integrity in the U.S. is we have a complicit uh, media that's just whitewashing all the all the things that went wrong, and you also you have the 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 co uh, corporate high tech. Uh, High tech giants, you know, spending money to help steal elections, and this isn't uh, addressed in the media anymore. Well, Alex, I think you're spot on, <laughs> which is why shows like Ed's are so important because it gets uh, around that. I call it the um, air superiority, if you will, <laughs> of the uh, media. I mean, anytime one of our little truth planes decides to taxi onto the runway, it gets shot down before it even takes off. And so I think it's important that we have an, uh, a way of communicating with people that's not subject to these censorship uh, blockages that we're seeing out there. That is our number one problem right now from a communication perspective. And the ironic thing is, um, if you go back into this documentary, Kill Chain, and remember, this is back in March, you saw the Democrats for three years or so were talking about this Russian collusion narrative, um, and they were pushing that narrative ad nauseum and all the stuff that they were pushing in their narrative is what we're talking about really happened in reality this last time around in 2020, and uh, they don't wanna talk about it. And so if you wanna see some major hypocrisy here, and uh, all you have to do is look at the fact that all the same points that we're making right now around the 2020 election, they were making themselves. The same media outlets that are censoring us for talking about this, 
they were promoting this ad nauseum. And uh, now, if you talk about it, all of a sudden they label you as a domestic terrorist. Excellent. Thanks, Alex. Well, we got the music coming up shortly. We'll come back after the break. I'd just like to point out in regards to what Patrick just said is that uh, Gary Wellings and I very early on spoke about projection, and it's something the Democrats do well, accusing others of what they're doing. So, folks, come on back after the break. We'll be right back. We were made to be courageous, we were made to lead the way, we could be the generation that finally breaks the chains, we were made to be courageous. In June of 1630, John Winthrop landed in Massachusetts Bay with 700 people in 11 ships, thus beginning the Great Migration. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, during the Great Migration of 16 years, more than 20,000 Puritans sailed for New England. The Puritans so believed that this new world would be free of the corruptions in their own church-state homeland. They called their colony a Zion and wilderness and a city upon a hill. Winthrop stated that the aim of the colonists was to advance the kingdom of God and enjoy the liberties of the gospel, thereof in purities and peace. In 1638, the Reverend John Davenport and Theophilus Eaton established a colony in Connecticut. Soon after, the fundamental orders of Connecticut was established. The order stated, for as much as it hath pleased Almighty God by the wise disposition of His divine providence, and well knowing where a people are gathered together, the Word of God requires that to maintain peace and union of such a people, there should be an orderly and decent government established according to God to order and dispose of the affairs of the people at all seasons as occasion shall require. Hopefully our republic will soon reconnect with God and the original founding principles, or forget about it. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Well, hello. Welcome back to your American heritage. And it turns out I can't any of my guests. Give me a second. There. Patrick, would you say something just so I know that I can hear somebody? Hello. Oh, my goodness. Patrick, can you hear me? I can hear you. Well, this is sad. I don't know what to do at this point. Patrick, would you continue the show for a bit? And uh, then I'll see if I can catch up. All right. Well, I'll just uh, let everybody know what I've been talking about all across the state. I've been... Out in Holland, Michigan. Um, next week, we're going to be out in uh, quite a few different places here in, uh, actually, the week after, I think it is, uh, you know, out in southeast Michigan. We're going to be talking about some of the uh, issues with election fraud. I've actually got something pretty exciting. If you're interested, we're going to have Arizona State Representative Mark Fincham 
um, in town on March 20th. So if you're in Southeast Michigan, he's going to be speaking at Stefan's Banquet Center on behalf of the Wayne 11 CDRC. And we're going to be talking about what's happening in Arizona regarding election fraud. You may recall that I testified before the Arizona uh, Oversight Committee on Elections uh, back uh, around November or December time frame. It's all kind of blending together for me. But uh, if you want to hear Mark Fincham, I'll tell you, you're going to get a lot of good information from him about uh, what's happening in Arizona, and it should give you encouragement. We're also going to be out in Holland, Michigan before that on the 19th. On the uh, 23rd, we're going to be, as I mentioned before, we're going to be downriver. Uh, oh, no, 23rd, sorry. 23rd is going to be out in Battle Creek, Michigan. I think downriver is... Oh, I'm, I'm going to have to find out exactly when that is. It's uh, probably a little bit first week of April or something like that. Um, we'll be at the 13th CDRC on the uh, 6th of April. And uh, I, there's a downriver conference, I think, on the 13th of April is what we're currently um, slated for. So um, anyway, a lot of stuff coming up here. Tons of uh, opportunities to hear what's really going on. Oh, I know what it is. It's March 18th. It's actually even earlier than that. We're going to be out at Metro City Church out in Riverview at 630 on the 18th. So that's next Thursday. It's not the 23rd. That's next Thursday. Now, will that be posted? Will any of these? No, no, because of uh, cancel culture, folks. So we're doing it on WAM because we trust all the listeners that are listening here. Um, get the word out to your friends and family. But this is not something I've even posted up on Facebook because of the... Um, some of the garbage that's been handled. I mean, people have had death threats for just talking about this stuff, and it's it's getting to that point. But I'm trying to be careful about where I'm releasing this information. I know I've got tons of trolls following me on social media, so I don't put it out there. But um, March 18th, we're going to be out at the uh, um, Metro City Church uh, talking about it. Excellent, excellent. And, and once again, folks, here we are, Underground Radio, you know, <laughs> the resistance. So... I'm 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 uh, grateful that you're working and exposing what's going on in Arizona. That's very fascinating. What's going on there? I'm reading about it from a distance. I have a friend who lives there. Well, actually, a couple now. Now that uh, Gary from Hazel Park is now Gary from uh, um, Phoenix. So there's there's some input I'm getting, but it's it's very confusing trying to follow what's going on there between Maricopa County, the state legislature, what they're trying to accomplish. Um, we have a call from Phil from Detroit. He has a comment about the election. So let's see what Phil has to say. Uh, howdy, gentlemen. Howdy. Axel. Uh, yeah, uh, I'd like to get back to what you're talking about. I sure appreciate all the courage you all are showing by doing all the things that you're doing, since uh, what the uh, things that we're saying on the air here are hate speech to those who hate and fear the truth. But uh, and, and one of them that's uh, caved uh, under pressure is I won't mention the name, but uh, when we were all there for at Yankee Air Museum for your announcement party on that hot, crazy day, your master yeah. of ceremonies has been on his show repeating the lie that if Christians had only voted the way they should have and not been so fussy about peccadilloes of our president and voted right, this wouldn't have happened. But you and I, of course, know that it was stolen, and uh, who votes doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, we've got but, to dig into this. And it doesn't mean don't vote, because one of the reasons we were able to expose what they did was because we voted in such massive numbers for Donald Trump. 
and, and other uh, uh, Republicans in this last election is that, uh, you know, that exposed them. They had to go off to their uh, plan B, which was just inject votes in the middle of the night and go back to good old Chicago-style politics, and we exposed them for that. So you got to get out and vote, but I, I, it is frustrating. I mean, it, it's, what's really amazing to me is all these elected officials that are so focused all of a sudden on election reform, and, and uh, if there is no election fraud, what the heck are they pursuing election reform for, right? It just doesn't make any sense. But thanks, Phil, for bringing that up. I mean, we got to get Their idea of election reform is to legalize all the illegal voting that went on. <laughs> I know that's what it is. That's exactly what they want to do. Yep. And we, we know that we had a landslide here in Michigan and that John James, he didn't lose. And Trump was overwhelmingly landslide victorized. And they just stole it out of from under both of them. They stole our country. Yeah. Yep, and we're not going to let them get away with it. It may take a while, but we're not letting them get yeah, away with they've, it. Yeah, they've turned anybody who mentions that into, uh, it's a third rail subject. Anybody who uh, says that, uh, we're going to do everything to put you out of business. That's why our friend who was your MC over there, uh, he caved. I was yeah. really, well, uh, really you know sorry to, to hear him say that. He said, he's saying it over and over County if you listen to that channel. I, Matt DiPerno right now has been told by his bank, PNC Bank, that they're not going to support him anymore. Their relationship he's had for over two decades. They're saying this election fraud stuff you're pursuing, uh, you know, because you're doing that, we're not sure we can support any transactions with you anymore. His insurance company dropped him. Uh, you know, this is, and the attorney general of Michigan is trying to get him disbarred for pursuing election fraud on behalf of his client. That's what's happening. This is not America. This is a banana republic now, right. not a constitutional well, America republic. America in name only, yeah. We're under new management. Yeah, well, not, not if and I we'll can never vote. be able to get it back through voting. Yeah, we're not to say anything as demoralizing it. as that, but that's the way I'm reading it. Yeah. Well, to, to that point, I think we need to be voting on a on a local level we need to really give a lot of concern to our, our local level and like our state legislature we need a state legislature with backbone we need a state legislature that'll stand up for its rights and not just let itself be rolled over that's one so it, it may take a while to do that uh, we, we we have warriors like pat colbeck um DePerno and and others who are still out there fighting uh and that's that's what we need. We and we need to keep the subject warm. We can't just let it fade into the past, especially with this HR one coming up. Phil, thanks for calling. I was looking over. I went to uh, Epic Times, and they had an article there called "Key Things You Need to Know About HR One: The For the People's Act of 2021." And one thing that I was wondering was how could they get all this all this crap through the uh, through the system and not have it challenged on a constitutional basis. And then as I was reading this, it mentioned that uh, the the act that's already gone through the House and now it needs to go through the Senate, it needs to stop in the Senate is what it needs. But it gives the federal government authority to administer elections is what they said. But you got to read the finer print. It says the act says Congress finds that it has broad authority to regulate the time, place, and manner of congressional elections under the elections clause of the Constitution, Article 1, Section 4. And so I looked up Article 1, Section 4, and it says, the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress may at any time 
by law make or alter such regulations. But it says nothing about the presidency. There's nothing in the Constitution that allows the federal government to override the state legislature's uh, role in the federal presidential elections. And so that's one one ray of hope there concerning yeah. that. Yeah, I listened to, I was just up in uh, Lottington earlier this week um, on Thursday, and I was listening to Representative Jack O'Malley uh, talk about that very issue. And, and he's saying that a bunch of people who don't really understand the Constitution that are now constitutional experts are chiming in on this. And and he made him seem like he's he's like uh, well anyway it was very frustrating. What he what he highlighted was that the he recognized her article their uh, um, the article two uh, uh, responsibility. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation that finally breaks the chains. We were made to be courageous. We had a slight glitch at the station, and uh, Derek, the Swiss Knife of Radio Production, has managed to recover it. If I were anybody else, I would suspect that the deep state was trying to silence us. Uh, Patrick wasn't sure if uh, we were going to get back on the air, and he's a very busy guy. I appreciate the time he took. Uh, we have a call from Gary from Tucson, Arizona right now, and we do not have a call from Gary from Tucson, Arizona. But if Gary from Tucson, Arizona wants to call back, he's feel he can feel free to do that. Folks, if you have a call, 734-822-1600, join us. In Patrick's absence, I'd like to enumerate some of the things that they're trying to get through, or yeah, actually trying to get through the Senate in HR1. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the bullet points is the bill makes it a federal crime to quote, communicate or cause to be communicated, unquote, information that is knowingly false and designed to discourage voting, carrying a sentence of up to five years. So my guess is this is going to be policed by Facebook, maybe Twitter. They seem to be pretty good at figuring out what, you know, when people are uh, uh, posting falsehoods about elections. And then it allows felons to vote. Now, myself, I don't have a problem with any felon who has served his time having all of his rights restored, including gun rights. Uh, that's, that's people have paid their debt, that's fine. But this goes on to promote ballot harvesting. And I don't know if, I'm assuming some people may not know what that means. I mean, we're not gonna go out on the farms and ask the migrant workers to, to collect votes for us. No, what, what that means is that with the absentee val, uh, uh, ballot voting, and the uh, early voting that they're allowing now, the mail-in voting, that somebody could go to, say, a nursing home and collect a whole bunch of votes for these people instead of them putting them in uh, uh, envelopes and mailing them themselves and then turning them in, which, of course, as you know, Patrick has pointed out below before, violates chain of custody. So you don't know who had those ballots in between the person who wanted to place the vote and the person who was receiving the vote. And so there's an issue right there. Then uh, 
it requires states to redraw congressional districts through independent commissions. Now, typically, that's a function of the state legislature based on the census. So the state legislature says, hey, uh, we have so many, our population has changed. Michigan's population has decreased. And so we're going to have fewer uh, representatives in Congress and fewer electoral votes, consequently. And so the districts have to be redrawn. And there's a process that Congress usually does. We stupidly, in our last election, voted to have an independent commission appointed politically to determine what that districting is. Well, at least we made that decision on a state level. But this this law would force it on all states to be done by, instead of being districted by, you know, the local state legislatures, they would be by these commissions appointed by political parties, governors. And it's not a not a good thing. All right. Interestingly enough, they're going to restrict corporate participation in elections. And I'm thinking, well, does that mean that Google and Facebook don't get to sway the next election? I'm down with that. But they're thinking in terms of, oh, the Citizens United case where uh, corporations were seen, were deemed to be eligible to contribute to uh, candidates' committees, political action committees. And the left has been very opposed to Citizens United for quite some time. That's been a real talking point of theirs, that there's this uh, overreach from corporations into the electoral process. Well, there's the fact that Facebook and Zuckerberg gave money to local cities in heavily blue areas to collect votes, but did and actually gave this money to city mechanisms to collect these votes so that these blue votes would be counted, Democrat leftist votes would be counted, and Republicans did not see that money in their districts. And to me, that's definitely corporatist intervention in an election right off the bat. So um, then they have a uh, provision called the Stand By Every Ad Act, which is part of this, and it would stop campaign dollars from covering any form of advertising over the internet. And that that just boggles my mind why Facebook would even let that happen. They get all this ad revenue from political advertising. But the fact that everybody advertises on the internet this day was the death of my newspaper, the, the current, because I'd go up to somebody who wants to advertise and I'd say, you want to advertise? And they'd say, ah, we're going on the internet. Now, so now they're saying political advertisers can't advertise on the internet. I'm not following that one. And then there's uh, the Help America Run Act. A bill legalizes the use of campaign donations for personal expenses such as child care for the candidate. That doesn't make sense. So, folks, join us next week. Hopefully we'll have less technical difficulties. We're going to have a great guest next week. Stay tuned. God bless you. Have a great week.